This is a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Callum McSwiggan on Fubar Radio. Welcome back to a very special episode of the Callum McSwiggan Show. Today I'm joined by the absolutely stunning Andrea Gibson. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm really, really good. And I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here, actually, because I'm, I'm a massive admirer of, of all of your work, but particularly your spoken word. Um, I want to I dive right in and talk about some of your work because I was, I was listening to your piece, America Reloaded, today, yeah. and it really, really... It blew, it blew me away. I mean, it, it absolutely left me speechless. So do you, want, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the piece is a poem about uh, gun reform in the U.S. and um, the number of school shootings that have happened there and the giant wall of greed that has gotten in the way of the U.S. making any significant changes in terms of uh, gun laws. Yeah, yeah. it's it's really, it, it often terrifies me. You know, I feel like I've I've grown up in a world where, where guns haven't been an issue for me personally. You know, it's not something I feel like in the U.K. I've ever had to worry about. But I know over in the U.S. it's 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 such a huge issue and there's all these shootings and it's it's really terrifying and I find it hard to grasp with so hearing such a profound piece like that from yourself it really it really really it struck a chord with me yeah I mean I I feel happy to know that you know it's it's not happening everywhere in the world and then you you know but you watch things like the horrific massacre in New Zealand and um and and the one bit of light in that watching 6 days later the New Zealand government essentially just changed all their gun laws and uh you know made machine guns illegal assault rifles illegal and you know watching that from the perspective of somebody living in the US and mm-hmm. and recognizing how that could happen so quickly we could we could change everything so quickly and um it's it's not happening it's it, 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 it's I, I think you're right it was that like little bo- little moment of light but there there is so much frustration there because i think i've kind of believed you know what so many people have been saying like it's it's not an easy thing to do we can't just you know revert these laws and then you see new zealand doing it and it, it, it's frustrating that the us isn't doing the same thing yeah you know I, I thought that too i thought it was at once inspiring um to watch that happen and then also heartbreaking because we were suddenly woken up to uh that it, it would be easy yeah um and it's yeah well, that was just one of your pieces, and I know you do so much other work. You're a writer, you're a performer. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about all the other work that you do? 
all the other work. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot to dig into. Yeah, you know, mostly what I've gotten asked about today are all the love poems. So if I had my way, I'd be writing love poems all the time. I love writing love poems, particularly queer love poems, because they weren't things that I had access to growing up. You know, I didn't have a lot of queer art around me, and I I know the importance of um, of talking about queerness and also celebrating queerness and, and talking about the light. Because, see, you know, so often we... Um, we tend to talk about the difficulty, which is real, it exists. And But I love the idea of, of young kids um, seeing that you can grow up to live a, a beautiful, loving life as a queer person. So that's a lot about what my writing is. Um, I, I talk about feminism, patriarchy, classism, racism, all of that. Oh, all the things. All I, the things. And yeah. you, you just released a poetry anthology, I believe. Yeah, I just uh, put out a new book called Lord of the Butterflies. Beautiful. And you're going on tour with that as well, I think. Yep. I've been on tour in North America for the last two months and I've got about three weeks of touring over here in the UK. Amazing. I, I think I think what's really what's really lovely about everything you just said is that kind of queerness should be a celebration and I think so often you know we see you know movies about LGBT plus people or a story in a TV show or a, a theatre show or whatever and so much of the time they kind of dwell in that negative space and I, obviously it's important to talk about those things you know because there are all these issues and we should be addressing them but I do think we need to spend a little bit more time on the celebration side of things you know I think that's why pride is so important yeah. we need to be showing you know younger generations of LGBT plus people or just LGBT plus people in general that you know life is amazing it's great for queer people as well it's not all uh, it's not all misery and doom yeah absolutely and i also think that what you can imagine is important so to um you know to put our attention on the things that have changed for the better and and you know the the, the beauty of the community and um, the connection the love all of it um we want young people imagining a bright future for themselves in spite of um you know the hardships through out because of course you know there are struggles there are things to overcome that maybe straight folks don't have to overcome um but i yeah i think um the celebration is important absolutely and 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 what was it that made you kind of fall on love poems was there a a specific trigger for that (laughs) they're just you know they're so uh i am a very slow writer i could spend a month on a poem and and that means a month like 12 hours a day just writing wow um but with love poems they just have always just fell out of me um they are when i just feel most alive and most um like i'm following my own purpose they're to be in uh, appreciation they're, they're poems of gratitude even even when they're breakup poems you know i i don't sure. think i've ever written i don't think i've ever written a bitter breakup poem not that i didn't have one in me but i, just <laughs> 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 I didn't want to put it out there um and i you know you, uh, yeah a breakup poem can be a celebration as well i love that you yeah. know i I've, I've always been a person who has kind of thought you know i, I, I like seeing as exes as a good thing or even if they're terrible exes you know you can can still celebrate that relationship and it's, it's, it's coming to a close. Yeah, I heard this thing in New York. There are these, uh, uh, some company that throws divorce parties. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so when people break up, the way they used to, you know, have a wedding to celebrate getting together, it's this big, uh, you know, celebration of the goodbye. All your friends come together, your family members, and they honor the time you had together and, and the parting. Wow. So, so is that, would the party be for you as an individual or would it be for the, both 
parties there together. Are both together. I yeah. I love that. It's because, really sweet, huh? Yeah, because <laughs> I've always seen like divorce as this like really angry thing where, you know, two people are screaming and shouting at each other yeah. and hating each other. But why can't it be? You know what? We've had a lovely time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's time and it's time to move on. Let's throw and a party. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think that you know, I get a lot of uh, I get a lot of heat from my straight friends because um, all of my best friends are my uh, ex-girlfriends and yeah. I think it's something that might be really um, specific to the queer community in that you know so many of us have you, we lose so much of you know often we lose uh, our families when we come out you know and so mm-hmm. I think when we find um, people that we we choose as our family will really fight to uh, maintain those relationships in our lives afterwards and at least part in a cordial way and that doesn't mean every relationship is healthy to have a you know stay in touch but yeah for yeah. lots of them I think and, and and do you think a lot of your sexuality gender identity is is, is present in your work do you really lean into that yeah, it's all through it, actually. Uh, even when I try to, it, it's sort of like Jesus. Jesus finds his way into all my bones. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, Jesus has made his way in there. Um, I, uh, maybe it's because I think Jesus might be pretty genderqueer. But the, um, <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. I, I, I mean, I'm very intrigued by that thought. <laughs> Don't you think? Who, who, I mean, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. no, I see it. Yeah, yeah I see you it. see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, yeah, like gender finds its way in, even into poems that I don't think have anything to do with it. And I think that um, I have uncovered a lot of my gender through the process of, of writing. And I think my gender has influenced my writing in that I'm always trying to think outside of, you know, the prescribed uh, norm. And mm. um, even with language, trying to do new things with language, you know, where you, you noun your verbs and... Um, you know, queer, queering language, if you will. Yeah, I like that. I, I, and I do feel like you are incredibly playful with language. Um, the the piece we were talking about earlier, I mean, some of the metaphors and things like that and the way you do, you describe things are, are incredibly powerful. So I can I can see that you really like to kind of play around with that. Yeah, it's fun. I, it's almost like the, the words are uh, dancing. Ah, yeah. I, li- I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, you are going to be um, performing um, one of your pieces for us. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm very excited for that. Um, but before we dive into that, I think let's have a little bit of music. So this is Ties by Years and Years. We're joined now by Alex Fox. I'm not a fan of Fifty Shades. Those books are not well loved by many people on the responsible fetish community scene because they depict in many ways a problematic dynamic. Least exciting erotic series that I've seen in a while. I've virtually fell asleep watching those films. But that can also, happen after a one. <laughs> True. If I'm late for anything, it's usually yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had a wank falling fall asleep. I've sat in a nap, as I yeah. like to call it. Every Monday, Ian Bolsworth from 4 pm to our radio. So, Andrea, are you ready for a game? 
Yes, I am. So this, this, we're actually this is this is a very monumentous occasion because we haven't played this game in in over a year. Okay. Um, but it is it is a fan favorite. I constantly get people messaging me saying, "Where has this game gone? We want it back." So today we are bringing it back in your honor. Okay. This game is called Queers Throughout the Years. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Um, and right here in front of me, I have five different LGBT plus facts about LGBT plus history. Some of them are true and some of them are false. Okay. Um, and you're going to have to try and figure out which ones are true. Do you, would you say that you have quite a good knowledge of LGBT plus history? Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. <laughs> I, think, I think this is the quiz that will test you. Some of these okay. are a little bit obscure, so, so right. I apologize for that. Okay, our first one. In 1998, the Chevrolet was named the official automobile of gays and lesbians after they do- donated millions of pounds to support LGBT plus causes. Senior executives were concerned that the association with queer people might cause sales to plummet. But that same year, their sales figures doubled and they sold more Chevys than any other year on record. What are we thinking? So I'm saying true or false? Yes, true or false. But I want to know your reasoning. I want you to unpack this for me. So you're saying you could have made up this whole thing? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> or, or maybe I didn't. Maybe I... This I, is, this I, is I, true. I, okay. Okay. What year was this again? This was 1998. 98. Okay. I have to say no. I mean, I have to say no because it's it's the year after I graduated from uh, from college. Yeah. I, I don't think Ellen was even um, gay yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so she wasn't out yet. I, ca- I can't imagine Chevy being cooler than Ellen at that point. Um, and... I'm going to have to say false. You are absolutely <laughs> correct. Yes. It is indeed false. Um, Chevrolet, that all of that is entirely fabricated. Mm-hmm. But Chevrolet have since um, gone on to do some great things. They've supported many LGBT plus causes. They've kind of heavily involved themselves in pride campaigns and their adverts are super wow. inclusive of LGBT plus people. So shout out to Chevrolet. Yay, um, Chevy. <laughs> I did not know that. Wow. But they are not the official automobile of gays and lesbians. That is, that is not true. What is though? What is? I think we should name one now. What would you say it would be um the vespa the vespa <laughs> do you know the, the, the little scooter yeah the scooter i like that it's i love so that gay. and it's very like italian and flamboyant yes. yeah it, i yes it's it's the gayest automobile i completely agree <laughs> i want a rainbow vespa that's yes. what i need in my yeah. life all right our next one Marsha p johnson was one of the leading figures in the stonewall uprising of 1969 and she was one of the world's most renowned drag queens for her work in championing lgbt plus rights most people, however, still don't know her drag name in full. Aww. The P in Marsha P. Johnson actually stands for please mind your business because that's what she would tell people when they constantly questioned her about her gender. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> you can see the, clog, the little cogs turning over there. I don't know if I could see the please. That's the thing. I it, don't know if I could see the please. It would be more I just powerful. Feel, and yeah, I, I feel like it might have more oomph. But, um, so I'm going to have to say false. You are absolutely 
Correct. Yeah. It is indeed false. Um, but you were right in thinking that there is an element of truth in there. So yeah. that entire fact is true, but it wasn't please mind your business. It is pay it no mind, oh, which yeah. is, as you yeah. say, it's a little bit more direct mm-hmm. and it's a little bit more Marsha. So yeah. her full name would actually be Marsha Pay It No Mind Johnson, mm-hmm. which is which is beautiful. So shout out to her, an absolute legend. Um, would you like your next one? I do. William Shakespeare invented drag. He frequently enjoyed putting on women's clothing and exaggerated makeup and began encouraging his actors to perform in drag on stage. He invented drag. God, you know, I don't know why, but I, I, I feel I feel like I can't see him doing that. Mm, I, I could tell him wrong right now. <laughs> I can't see what I would picture happening is I think that uh, was it that women at the time couldn't be on stage and just only men could and so they had to dress as women that that is absolutely right right but so I could see the whole you know um, other folks around him saying okay so you can't I don't know I kind of I kind of picture Shakespeare being the one that would just want the women on stage Um, I'm gonna have to say false you are indeed correct. I That's am three for three so wow. far, and I'm really impressed because that information you just said was right. You yeah. know about women not being allowed on stage, mm-hmm. so they would drag up the men. Um, but Shakespeare didn't invent drag; it was a thing long before him and long after yeah. him. He did, however, invent the term drag. Oh, really? And wow. it stands for dress to resemble a girl. It's an ah, acronym. Wow. Yes. But I never knew that. I know. It's fascinating, yeah. right? This is why we love this game. It's great. <laughs> okay. I should have done oh, the porn one, too. Oh, the, the porn game is <laughs> the, the, the porn game is something else. <laughs> Would you like your next one? Yep. There is a very small unknown country called the gay and lesbian island of the Icelandic Sea. It was discovered and named by a group of LGBT plus activists in 2004 who got lost in bad weather during a fishing expedition. Their official flag is a rainbow striped fish and it still flies proudly there today. Give me a hint. Well, there's only, there's only two answers. Like, <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you thinking? What does your gut tell you? I, my gut tells me it's true. Yeah. So is that what you're going with? You you make me question myself. <laughs> yeah. I, ju- I just want you to do really well in this. And you're doing so well so far that I would hate for you to get this one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going to go with true. You are going to. I am afraid that what? is incorrect. And you tried to you tried to help me too. I tried to help you. Um, but, it, but it is based. It is loosely based based on truth um, the gay and lesbian kingdom of the coral sea does exist mm-hmm. but it's um, near australia and it was indeed founded by gay and lesbian rights activists oh, wow. which is good for them right yeah are you ready for one last one yeah, you can redeem yeah. yourself on okay, this one okay a 2013 paper from the university of michigan conducted research into a species of puffin who can supposedly identify whether or not a person or animal is gay These puffins are overwhelmingly drawn to homosexuals. And the paper concludes that this is likely due to a unique pheromone exclusively given off by gay people and animals. I feel like I'm going to get this wrong because all of the things can't be false, but I have to say false. You are indeed correct. Yay! Oh, gosh. They were all false, (laughs) but a lot of them were based on very important truths. 
So wait, what is the very important truth about the last one? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Except for that one, which is just an absolute fabrication. There is nothing truthful in that. Um, Well, I think it's time we have a little bit more music. This is one of my all-time favorites. This is I Don't Want It All by Kim Petras. So, Andrea, I'm, I'm really, really excited to hear this. Um, what are you going to be performing for us? Uh, I'll be performing America Reloading. Amazing. Okay, take it away. Mostly because of dying stars. Scientists say space smells like barbecue and gunpowder, which is to say space smells like the United States. A holiday where we celebrate the independence of machine guns. How anyone can buy a cemetery at a sporting goods store on their 18th birthday and open carry it to an elementary school where children are learning tears don't fall in space. Weightless without gravity, they never leave the eye. Is that what happens to the NRA, a child asks, after the bodies of half her class have used every red crayon in the universe to scream goodbye? Did the NRA's tears not drop because they're astronauts? How does a parent tell a six-year-old that gun sales spike every time our right to bear massacres makes a coroner faint, makes a medical examiner say, I can't, my God, I can't, but we can, can't we, America? Each election, don't we say we can stomach the boy loading a black hole into his backpack and unloading it in the high school hallway on Valentine's Day? It would take light years to count how many times the terrified texted, I love you, I love you, I love you, in Parkland, Florida, while the NRA kept crying in space. My friend, a second grade teacher, is told to practice hiding her children in the closet. 23 seven-year-olds huddle holding their breath. Holding your breath in space is the fastest way to die. The lungs explode in that vacuum almost as quickly as an AR-15 can make blood dust of a closet door. Of the 20 children murdered at Sandy Hook, not one of them needed an ambulance. That's how dead they were. That's how well the Second Amendment works. Because there is no air, it is silent in space, but not as silent as the Christians on the Senate floor. Well, 20 more families are asked if they would like to talk to a priest. Christ could tear the nails from his hands and scrape them down a blood-splattered chalkboard and they would still be praying for their bank accounts. After Columbine, parents were called into tiny conference rooms. One family said we could hear the family before us screaming and we knew we were next. Now loved ones check Facebook to see who is dead. A mother's status is, I can't reach my daughter. I can't reach my daughter. Decades after her child is murdered in the cafeteria, that thought will still be tearing her from her bed. I can't reach my daughter. The footprints left by astronauts on the moon are permanent. They will never go away. 
like the grief of a father identifying his son by his shoes because the rest of his son's body was out lobbied by suits whispering into the ears of Washington. This is what America means by freedom and justice. The names of our cities becoming synonymous with babies being buried like seeds in the greed gardens of the wealthy. But you should know, your teacher was a hero, we say. Her body found bunkering a group of your friends. And that's as happy as the ending gets right now. The hero's almost always dead. The flag at half-mass grave. Children huddled in basements, trying to tear off their ears on the 4th of July. Because the fireworks sound like the day everyone died crying. Died with their next 80 birthdays pouring from their eyes while America reloaded and moved on to the next. That was absolutely stunning. I mean, I don't, I, I, I feel like I shouldn't even say anything right now. I just wanted to sit in that moment with the silence. That was absolutely beautiful, incredible. Thank you. Yeah, it's a type of poem that when I read it at a show, I uh, also feel that way afterwards. And unfortunately, at a spoken word show, it's not appropriate to just stand there and say nothing. But I always feel that with a, a piece like that, you just want, want to be quiet afterwards. It's, it's incredibly powerful. And I think uh, I think the piece of it uh, about, you know, children in basements and and. and on the 4th of July and, and, and not wanting to listen to the fireworks because it, it reminds them of, of, of the, such a tragic moment of their life. It's, it's so, it's, it's really powerful and it really, really sits with you. Yeah. Um, sorry, were you going to? No, no, I was just thinking about the 4th of July thing because, um, you know, in the States there's a, a movement to stop the fireworks because they're, uh, they're so traumatic to veterans um, who, you know, come back from war and then they hear uh, fireworks and um, it, it's re-traumatizing. And yeah. so it's, it's almost as if uh, the students in, in the States and the youth are um, having the same experiences as, as, as veterans and carrying that same trauma, even if uh, they were, you know, just witnesses um it it, it it stays with you through your whole life yeah there's also an amazing video that accompanies this spoken word piece um which ab- everyone should absolutely go up go and look up on youtube uh but do you want to tell me a little bit about um how you created the visuals were you directly involved because it's 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 stunning shots of of, of children you know mm-hmm. And which makes an amazing backdrop for something like this. Yeah, so I live in Colorado, um, which was where the uh, sort of first um, high school shooting, mass shooting was in the U.S. about 20 years ago. And um, we actually did the filming about 10 minutes from there. And, and, and we, a lot of the students in the video are uh, friends, uh, you know, children of friends. Um, mm. Some of them are just, you know, reaching out to people who have children and wanted to be involved. And so many parents wanted... Uh, their kids involved in that um, gratefully because they feel so passionate about it. You know, their their children are afraid to go to school. That was never something that was happening when I was growing up. And, yeah. um, but to be there in the room while we were filming, uh, it was really important to me and also the videographer, Sarah Megacy, um, to not create something that was further uh, traumatizing. You know, you could very easily make a video to that poem that could, you know, be devastating. Um, and not that the video isn't, but I wanted to really show the, the tenderness of, of children, the innocence of children, um, and just their, their 
and so that is what the video is. It, they're basically just drawing. And I think the most powerful moments in the video are when um, the kids are looking directly into the camera. I, I don't know how you look into the eyes of a child for any amount of time at all and not um, not want to change gun laws in the U.S. Yeah. It's just like, how do you stare at a child and still prioritize um, automatic weapons over kids? Absolutely. And, I, I would say I feel like there is an element of, of hope. It's almost between the words, you know, the way you perform it and the way the visuals complement it. It's almost like there there is hope here. It's that hope for these children and that things will change. Yeah, it, you know, um, ever since Trump got elected, uh, it's been sort of... Um, it's been a time where not much truth is being told by the administration. And so uh, I don't know where it's in. I think it's in this last book, but there is a line, even when the truth isn't hopeful, the telling of it is. And I feel that it, to be speaking the truth right now um, feels hopeful to me because it's in direct <laughs> opposition to what our, you know, our government in the States is doing right now. So and also art in itself is is hopeful to be creating is the opposite of destruction. So it always has that essence no matter what you're writing about and, and and can we can we expect like more of this in your tour i know i know you like to dwell on the positives as well and things like that so you know what what can we expect the tour is uh, a roller coaster ride of mood swings yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um you know it's it's really happy then really sad and then really funny i mean i know it's hard to believe when you hear a poem like that but i love writing funny poems and um and yeah just giving people a, a balance of being able to take it all in and and welcoming whatever feels feelings uh, people have you know trying to create a space that's um, safe uh, to feel it all and am I right in thinking that there's audience involvement? I love audience involvement. Yeah, you know, what's funny about traveling through the UK, um, it, people are so polite here. And so in the US, it's very, uh, there's a lot of expression from the audience throughout, whistling, snapping, hooting, you, you know. Um, but it tends to be more polite here, so a little bit more quiet. Okay, yeah, yeah. no, that's absolutely a thing. Yeah. There's a big distinction so between the two. So we try to uh, give them permission to uh, not be polite at all. And so... It, People can get rowdy, but it takes a little bit more effort here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, it's something I've it's something I've heard before. You know, we we've had a lot of uh, American guests come over, and that, that there is a definite. You we we do come out of our shells. You just yeah. need to give us a little a little bit more permission. You know, <laughs> yeah. Te teasing, I think. Yeah, you know, the first time I I think it was eleven years ago. The first time I toured through here, I just thought the first show I did it was in London, and I thought, God. These people hate poetry. And then I learned over time it was just a different energy of, of politeness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you have some uh, other small projects. Well, I don't want to say small. They're, they're amazing things. You have some other projects on the go as well, like your Stay Here With Me, the, the platform that you created. Do you want Stay, to talk a little bit about that? Stay Here With Me is a project that we were doing for years. It hasn't been active for probably about five years now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that I'd talk about it, but it was... Uh, Essentially, I guess it sort of happens um, grassroots like still in a way where it's um, just a community trying to support p other people um, in staying alive and in wanting to stay alive. It was addressing suicidality, which is a lot of what my uh, writing is about and um, the importance in community and um, uh, helping us stick around and wanting to be here. I, th I think it's amazing how many different things you do and how many different important 
topics you cover. It's 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 really inspiring stuff. Yeah, thank you so much. We've been talking about you so much, Andrea, that I forgot to make this show entirely about myself. <laughs> we are celebrating my 29th birthday this week, so uh, my lovely producers have let me put together a playlist of all my favourite LGBT plus music. So this is a little bit of Wild by Troy Sivan. To fall on the way home, you were trying to wear me down, down. Kissing up on fences and up on walls on the way home. I guess it's all working out now. Cause there's still too long to the weekend, too long till I drown in your head. Fubar Radio presents Michael Payne and Marcel Somerville. It is, of course, low key. Oh, thank you so much. If you were to listen to a lot of the music that's pumped out by the corporate media, you would not know at what period of time you were listening to that music. All of the greatest artists, when we think of John Lennon, when we think of Bob Marley, you know, John Lennon was funding the Black Panthers at one point and on very good terms with Bobby Seale. Uh, Bob Marley was intrinsically linked to politics in Jamaica and mm. was in many ways a game changer, actually, with what he was doing. Some of the greatest artists of yesteryear, if you listen to their music, it's almost like listening to a historical document. Michael Payne and Marcel Somerville. Every Wednesday from 4pm. Radio. So Andrea, one of our favourite things to do on this show is we have our lovely listeners send in some of their sex confessions. Oh, okay. Uh, so if, if it's alright with you, we are going to be reacting to a couple of those yes. right now. Um, <laughs> so I have, them, I have them here on the screen with me. So the first one is... I'm a girl and I've been best friends with my neighbour, also a girl, since we were both five. We're now 14 and for the first time ever, I have feelings for her, which are more than just friendship. How on earth do I act on this feeling without ruining our friendship? Oh. It's, 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 it's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, it just feels so familiar to me. <laughs> yes. You know, especially when being around somebody that old and then, you know, for that many years, then you hit puberty and you wake up to your own desire. And, yeah. Uh, it and takes you by surprise. It really does. You're like, wait a minute. So I don't, I don't just want to. Um, okay. So what is good advice for this? Well, wh- where are you going in your head with it? I think you just, I think managing expectations is a really, really important thing here because, you know, this this friend could absolutely reciprocate and it could be everything you've ever wanted and more, but they could also not reciprocate. They Um, could also get really scared and run away, maybe. Exactly. So, you know, you've got a real spectrum of of outcomes here. And I think managing your expectations and almost almost like safeguarding yourself, you know, putting things in place to make sure that you are safe and happy no matter what happens. Yeah. And then also maybe directly expressing um, your desire, if this is in fact the case, but your desire for uh, the friendship to still be a friendship if um, the feelings aren't reciprocated. You know, that would be important to me. I wouldn't want to lose a friend over expressing my feelings for the friend. But also... You know, they say, um, I think it was a poet, uh, Tony Hoagland, um, said uh, some people think the truth is the worst thing that can happen. The truth is not the worst thing that can happen. I have so much faith in the truth. So I think that I would definitely 
tell her. Yeah. You know, tell her. Um, and to, yeah, like you're saying, sort of have a... Um, have some comfiness ha- have some backup friends that <laughs> that you can yeah 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 that you can uh, have a support if it if it doesn't go as you would hope but and I, and I would hope, you know, this is your best friend and I think your friend is going to love you no matter what, you know, and, and, yeah. and as long as you're, you know, you're clear that you want the friendship to remain intact and you yeah. you want to, you know, just want everyone to be happy, I'm sure this will work out. Yeah, I, I see it going good always. Yeah, and, and, and maybe they do reciprocate and then hooray, yeah, that's a party for everyone. Although, <laughs> although I heard this thing that was really wild that I had never heard before. So I heard that over here, you tell me if this is true, okay. that it's not legal and not that they're going to have sex but i heard it's not legal to have sex unless you're 16 and if you're queer it's not legal to have sex until you're 18 is that ah, true it is not true okay. we should have put this in the in the quiz throughout the years <laughs> yeah. game uh, it used to be true um okay. in the year 2000 the age of consent was kind of made the same across everyone oh, so okay. for gay people straight people yeah it is 16 across the board now but there was once a time when it was 18 and before that it used to be 21 and then before that it was just outright criminalized wow wow okay fascinating stuff isn't it, it? really is yes. you need you need to you need to understand these laws because it's you know it's our, it's our lives at the end of the day um should we do another one mm-hmm. i am a young male and go on three dates a week with boys i go out with my girlfriends but i'm starting to think i should date girls too any advice? Ooh, I think g- go for it is my advice. Three dates a week with boys. That's a, lo- that's a lot of dates. That sounds exhausting. That does sound tiring. And then to add in <laughs> to add in girls, yeah, that's your whole schedule. Well, surely, just... surely they're going to dial back on the boys to fit in some of the girls. Surely it's not going to be three <laughs> dates a week with boys and then three additional dates with girls. You never know. That is commitment. You never know. I don't know how people have time for this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How do people have time for romance? All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that you definitely do it. Just, yeah. yeah, just dive right in. I don't, there's no issue here. Just, you know, have fun, enjoy yourself, live mm. your best life. Um, I can't even do one date a month, though, honestly. That's, that, that's, that's my cutoff. One a month and we're done. And I'm still tired afterwards. <laughs> the dates are tiring. Yeah, it's an emotional roller case. You have roller to coaster. be. You have to be so vibrantly present and charming. You just have to be so damn charming. It requires so much to be charming. Unless yeah. you're natural at it like you or I. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say you, but you, you beat me to it. I, I like someone who knows how to toot their own horn. I'm absolutely about that. Uh, I think we have time for one more. Uh, I've been straight all my life and I've never had any feelings for guys. The girl at school keeps asking me out and I've told her I'm not interested. But because she keeps and keeps on asking, it's made me think about my sexuality for the first time. And maybe there are other options out there. Ooh. I I don't want you to feel any kind of pressure from this other person. And I don't want, you, you know, just because somebody keeps and keeps on asking you, that doesn't mean that you have to entertain that. I just want to make that clear. But if you are kind of having those feelings and like, oh no, actually, maybe this is a consideration. Maybe this is something that I do feel. Maybe I am a lesbian or bisexual. Yeah, I also think the thing happens though, uh, where, where you you can tend to put faith in somebody else's gaydar and you think, oh, if they've got eyes for me, then, then what maybe. does, am I, am I? But yeah, if you feel, um, yeah, and then sometimes we also get confused by somebody liking us, you know? I, I used to do the thing where anybody who liked me, I liked them. And I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't... 
maybe give it some time and just think about know, it and, yeah. and see what you want. I, th- I, 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 I know what you mean about, you know, like trusting other people's gaydars. <laughs> I, I, I had a straight friend once who everyone just kept insisting he was gay, mm-hmm. you know, because he was a little bit more effeminate and mm-hmm. things. And people kept being like, oh, he must be gay. Even his parents sat him down and asked him if he was oh. gay. <laughs> but he wasn't. He was straight. Yeah. But because so many people were saying it he started to believe it and it actually kind of caused this internal crisis for him which he got really upset about so Mm -hmm. i do understand that those kind of external pressures can make us question ourselves sometimes so i think it is important to like sit with it and really try and figure out what you want on your own right you know apart from everybody else it might be interesting too for them to spend some time um you you know like go to coffee or something and not as an official date or yeah and just like see that and just see because sometimes you you actually you actually don't know until you 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 smell somebody <laughs> okay <laughs> like, that is know? the weirdest thing you've said on this entire show don't go for coffee and start sniffing people that's weird <laughs> pheromones i'm talking pheromones sometimes you don't know i i'm always stunned by people who can can know they're attracted to somebody who's across the room i'm like i have to smell them and by smell i mean i have to be within six feet of them which, yeah no yeah, i get you're not yeah. gonna get like in their armpit or anything not at first not in not on the first date date <laughs> yeah. two perhaps as right. long as consent is there we're all good yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're going to wrap sex confessions there because you've made it weird. Um, so <laughs> we're, we're done with that. Um, we're actually coming up to the end of the show now. But I, I do want to talk again um, about your incredible books. Um, so just take me with you, Lord mm-hmm. of the Butterflies and the poetry as well. Oh, yeah. There's a new book that I actually wrote with my partner. It's called How Poetry Can Change Your Heart. And it's a prose book. Um, And it was the only book I've ever been a part of writing that is entirely celebration. Because, you know, when you write a book of poetry, there are a lot of sad poems in it. And this is just a book celebrating uh, the art form. It's part of a series, ones on, you know, uh, painting, ones on dance. And um, so, yeah, we wrote the poetry one. Well, I I, I really I want to get all three. Yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah, they they, they sound amazing. And I mean, I've, I've just seen you perform, which was incredible. So I'm kind of, I, I want to see your words on the page as well. Well, agree. Um, if people want to come along to your tour in the UK, how can they, how can they get involved? How can they come? Um, so we'll be in a bunch of cities in the UK. And uh, I think we have nine dates. And some of the places are, are big clubs. Some are very intimate and little. And I'm touring with one of my dearest friends, Buddy Wakefield, who's one of my favorite poets. And it's going to be amazing. Oh, my God. It sounds it sounds stunning. I want to come along. I feel like I'm going to make, make my way over. Come. It will be great. So r- remind <laughs> us what the website is again. AndreaGibson.com. Amazing. Well, you have been an absolutely incredible guest. I can't thank you enough again for that stunning performance earlier in the show. Thank you so much for having me. Amazing. Well, I am going to play you out with a little bit of my absolute queen. This is a little bit of Lizzo. Good as hell. I do my hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com.